You are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, my name is Kevin Weiss. I'm Ulysses Sembrano. Host of Locked on Rays, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked on Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and online at fanstreamsports.com. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play Locked on Rays. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Rays. And check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash Rays Unfiltered. We have a lot of new content up there, which we recommend you check out. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, and then I'll get you 20% off your next order. Builtbar.com. Well, Ulysses, it is middle of the week ish, so we are going to run through our 2020 player reviews. Again, going in alphabetical order. Today on the docket, we have one Yandi Diaz and Pete Fairbanks. So without further ado, let's get right into the meat of the content, reviewing Yandi Diaz. Uh, Diaz, who is, uh, according to the Google box, 29 years old in 108 days to be exact, uh, he put together this past season... Uh, well, he was a, a 0.7 war player, according to baseball reference, a 0.8 war player, according to fan graphs in 34 regular season games and 134 plate appearances. He has had a 307, 428, 386 line, 814 OPS, 131 OPS plus 138 WRC plus. That all included two home runs, three doubles, and 11 RBI. I should also mention his walk rate of 16.7% and a strikeout rate of just 12.3%, both significantly better than uh, last year and elite. Uh, strikeout rate is in the 96th percentile of all major leaguers. Walk rate is in the 96th percentile of all major leaguers. And his whiff percentage is in the 95th percentile of all major wow. leaguers. So he walks, he doesn't strike out, and he doesn't swing and miss. Now, I should also mention uh, his postseason stats weren't quite as good. Uh, put together a 194 average, uh, 383 on-base percentage, and 633 OPS, uh, seven hits and 36 at-bats. Uh, but he, he wasn't the only guy that struggled Nope. as far as getting hits and that sort of thing, but he got on base almost at a 40% clip there. But um, also a, another piece to the Diaz story before we move on to some discussion here, uh, he missed the entire month of September. Uh, yep. He was placed on the 10 day injured list with a right hamstring strain. <laughs> and it wasn't like a freak injury. Perry chiming in, in the background. He is really <laughs> fired up about Yandi Diaz and his injury history <laughs> troubles. He was running to first on a routine ground ball. It's not like he was trying to eke out an infield hit or right. trying to go first to third or score uh, to home from second or anything like that. It was just, oh, feeling my hamstring. That doesn't feel too good. And this is part of the storyline that we have to acknowledge. 
you love what Yandy Diaz does with the bat and his glove isn't bad either as he's shown that he can handle uh, third and first base with a plum, but staying healthy. That's the big question mark. I mean, in 2019, he played in less than half the team's games, 79 to be exact with lower extremity issues, hamstring foot, so on and so forth. So uh, maybe that brings up a larger question of dropping some weight. You don't need maybe less bodybuilder, bodybuilder nope. guy and more live athletic. Not happening. Not happening. Limbs. This guy loves to to lift, man. I mean, you just got to I, I don't say you don't, you don't have to not live. You can keep lifting, but you don't have there's not many baseball players that look like Yandy Diaz and that's probably why he li- he likes to stand out. And yeah, he wants 100%. to have this intimidation factor, but if you're if you're going to continue to play just 50% of the team's games, something has to give because I think Come the on. flexibility Leg is days? an issue. Nobody likes leg days, dude. Nobody likes the lunges and the squats. No, he just oh, goes big, up there. He, yeah, he's got big hamstrings and thighs and things like that. But I'm just saying, hey, 15 to 20 pounds. That's all I'm asking. You can, he can, he'll still look jacked. He'll still oh, look yeah. jacked at that size. He's so big enough that is, to, to drop 20 pounds and still look massive. I think there's uh, there's a big issue with Yandi that that you hit it's the injury bug man I mean yeah. you can't you can't just play 50 percent of the of of the games and even though those 50 percent uh participation that you give the team is is really productive and what, what was it 138 OPS plus 130 uh WRC plus uh, you're talking about a on-base percentage of 430 in the regular season that's stupid numbers. Those are really good numbers. I mean, he's infield Tommy fam. That's what he is. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's odd seeing somebody's OPS being uh, weighed mostly because of their on base percentage and not their slugging, but that's how it works with, with Yandi, uh, you know, having such an elite level eye at the plate and receiving those walks. But, Man, you got to do something with the durability. I mean, you you don't wouldn't you like somebody that can post 80% of the time, 90% of the time, maybe with a little bit less production because you know that you're going you're going to be able to write that guy's name in the lineup. That yes. I think that's valuable if if you don't get injured and my goodness, uh, Yandi is prone to injury. And I think it goes back to his size and I think that's something that somebody's got to get into his ear and focus more on the stretching, more on the flexibility aspect, more on that sort of stuff, instead of just pumping iron, pumping iron, pumping iron. I I don't think that I I think, look, and he's, he's not old by any means, but could you imagine if he wants to play into his mid thirties, how is his body going to hold up then? Like, Having strength is one thing, but I mean, nowadays things have shifted so much to where it's about movement and plyometrics and things of that nature. If Yandi were healthy, could he be the MVP of this team? Offensively, for sure. I think definitely, especially with the fact that you can't, he doesn't really have a weakness at the plate. No, his plate coverage is amazing. And he showed that where pitchers have made adjustments. They realized last year he was starting to lift the ball and pull the ball in the air. And now right. they're, they're 
making a shift and he throwing breaking balls inside, outside. He pokes them the other way, whether it's a ground ball or a line drive the other way. I mean, he is almost like, I know this isn't quite a fair comparison or an even comparison, but DJ LeMahieu-esque in the way he pokes the ball around. He's a lefty power hitter is what he is. He's a lefty power hitter in the way that if you were to do the same shift that they do Brendan Lau or Mm -hmm. Kevin Kiermaier, not because of the power, but because he thinks he has power. Um, when, When you do that lefty shift, if you were to do that to Yandy, uh, in, in 2020, a lot of those singles could have, could have gotten caught, but that was just the ad- adjustment that he did. If you're going to attack me outside of the zone, uh, outside, I'm going to just poke the head out there. Very, like you said, LeMahieu asked, you know, put the ball where it's played, uh, where it's placed. Uh, I think that is something to, to, to want in your lineup, not so many strikeouts. And he's a nice little breather when he's at, at the box. You're like thinking, okay, well, something's going to happen here because he can put the ball in play. He has a good eye. He can at least make the, the pitcher work. Uh, just like, you know, honestly, would you mind Choi the same thing too? You maybe a little bit more strikeouts on the, on the Choi part, but you just feel like there's going to be a productive at bat uh, when, when they're at the box, but Yandi got to get healthy. You got to get, get healthy. And I think that's the thing that if he was able to stay healthy, we wouldn't even have to have a discussion about are the Rays going to tender or non-tender G-Man Choi? Because already Nate Lowe on the come up and Yandy Diaz, I feel like you can fit him in against lefties, righties. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's still going to do damage. And right. it's just about being able to, again, stay healthy. And um, he he's shown for sure that he can handle first or third base defensively. I, I actually think he may be a tad underrated at what he can do defensively with the scoops, the backhand plays, yeah. making catches in foul territory. Um, the one thing that I notice when he does play third, sometimes he'll bounce balls in to the first baseman, but on, on the longer throws that it requires. But I mean, look, if you can play third, I think you can play first base or you can be taught to play first base like Vlad Guerrero and, and Yandy Diaz is that type of guy for sure. Um, here's what's interesting on the two home runs he hit this year. They were on one, two, and O2 counts. Uh, one was off speed and oppo. The other one he pulled. So it just goes to show that he hits all pitches anywhere in yep. the zone and he doesn't really swing outside of the zone. So he's fun to watch. He's really fun to watch when he's at the plate. And he's a, a nice reprieve from uh, so much of the swing and miss that the Rays have experienced this season in seasons of yesteryear as well. Uh, so grade for Yandy Diaz, what are you giving uh, Mr. Hamstring here? The, yeah, the only knock I, I have on Yandy is the injury bug. And I know the postseason didn't really help him, but I did like that you said his on-base percentage was a, what, 370 in, in, in the playoffs. So it's not like he wasn't doing anything. At least no. he was getting on-base for somebody else to, to you know, do something behind right. him. Um, so I, I'm going to give him an 88, a B plus, a solid okay. B plus. Uh, I'm going to give him a B, but it's really close to a B plus just based on the injury factor. Again, that is big for me. Yeah. You wonder if he was able to play the entire month of September. I guess it may not have mattered in the grand scheme of things as far as 
uh, the Rays going 40 and 20 and, and winning the division and being the best team in the American League. But maybe if he wasn't injured or wasn't injured for as long, maybe he gets some momentum going into the playoffs. Yeah. Because he missed that entire month and it's playoff season and it's like you're, you're trying to ramp back up and trying to get back in the groove. And I don't think that's an easy thing to do when uh, you're facing some good pitching and you're at a different, more competitive level too. In the most pressure-filled environment that you could want uh, as a baseball player in yes. the playoffs. So yeah, it, it's a little bit tough. We will continue this discussion, move on to Pete Fairbanks and his review. But first, we got to tell you about the greatest protein bar on the planet, and that is Built Bar. Man, Built Bar, they've got a lot of flavors. Uh, if you're allergic to tree nuts, peanuts, they've got both nut and non-nut flavors. So you can, um, if you have a, an allergy, that is not a problem. You just go down the nutrition facts and see which ones you're able to eat and you're good to go. Um, and so many different flavors to choose from. There's, there's several of those flavors that, that will fit into your uh, allergy discretion needs, if you will. But uh, the, the Built Bar, they're really hyping up the new flavors. We're talking caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They even had a strawberry flavor for a while. I don't know if they still have it, but uh, I implore you to go on their website and check it out and see if they have it. They, they, uh, again, here's what you need to know about Built Bar. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. If you're on the keto diet, it's great for that. Um, you can use them to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat, pre-workout, during workout, post-workout. There's a lot of versatility with these Built Bars here. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and that'll get you 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. They are also offering a free cooler with purchase while supplies last so check out that opportunity as well. BuiltBar.com, promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Okay, up next, Kevin, we got Pete Crazy Eyes Fairbanks from St. Louis, Missouri. He had a nice 6-3 record, 26 and two-thirds inning, innings pitched, 39 Ks, 23 hits, 14 walks allowed, 270 ERA, pretty nice. A 139 whip, I'll get to that later. A 304 FIP, uh, and a solid 82.9 left on base percentage. And according to Fangraphs, he accumulated a 0.6 F4. Uh, his pitch selection, he's got two of them. First of all, the, the four-seam fastball that he tries to work up in the zone and a slider down in the zone. Actually, if you look at the pitch breakdown, it's pretty cool how you could slice it in half the strike zone and notice that the fastballs are mostly up and the mm. sliders are down in the strike zone. Very cool. Uh, he throws a slider around 57% of the time and the four seam at 43% of the time. I think the most frustrating part of Fairbanks way of pitching and when he gets on the mound is that we've noted this and noted this in the past that he has a lot of problem with the traffic on the base paths either either, right. either because um he was created by himself or he was brought into a situation uh where he doesn't seem to to handle uh runners on base so i did some research on that 
his longest stretch of going in and facing the minimum of batters was three games in the middle of August where he faced uh, three against the Red Sox and retired three of them, faced three in Buffalo, retired the side, and faced three in the Bronx and retired all of them. That was the last time he ever threw an inning and faced minimum batters. So I know you're wondering, did he ever do that in the playoffs? And he only did it once against the Astros in game three of the ALCS. Mm -hmm. So, of course, better competition. It's a little bit more difficult. He's uh, part of the A squad of the bullpen. So mostly, you know, the big boppers are, are the ones that he's facing. So obviously you can't knock him for that. But if you're going to be facing the most difficult hitters, in the lineup uh you know what put the shovel down don't walk these guys right don't 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 let yourself get beat because he's got the stuff to blaze by them i mean 39 strikeouts in less than 27 innings pitched he i mean out of all of his outings in the regular season and in the postseason only three times three times was he on that bump this whole 2020 and he did not get a strikeout. Only three times. Yeah. When he's on the mound, he's going to get strikeouts. So why are you putting yourself behind the eight ball with the walks and, and, and allowing the hits? You, you have the stuff to get through them. Get through to them. Yeah, that, that's huge. And you mentioned the strikeouts. I mean, something that really rings to that is him closing out game seven of the ALCS, where he worked two innings. He was able to strike out Bregman with runners on first and second, two out, and then he then he closes things up from there uh, in the next inning. So, um, look, I like Fairbanks a lot, and this is a guy that we also have to keep in mind. He's pitched fewer than 50 innings in the regular season in the big leagues. So this is still a young guy that is still yeah. learning and still growing with the game. The stuff definitely plays. I mean, he is – he has the stuff to be closer material for sure. Is he that yet? I don't necessarily think so, considering, as you alluded to, the walk rate and everything like that. Also, something that I think was maybe a little bit glossed over was when he does give up contact, it is hard contact, whether it's on the slider or the fastball. And that is something I noticed. And again, the Dodgers are a different animal, but particularly against the Dodgers, when he he had the at-bat. He had a 1-2 or an 0-2 count. Instead of going with his best pitch, the fastball, up and away, up and in, he would hang a slider middle of the plate, and it would get crushed. It would get hammered. So I yeah. think being able to trust your fastball, you can ramp that thing up to 99, 100 miles an hour. It floats. It hovers. It's got a ton of spin. Uh, we've seen hitters look silly on it righties and lefties Perry chiming in the background again he he really likes my point about Pete Fairbanks there um and let's remember too like this is a guy that recovered from two Tommy John surgeries in his past so he's still even though he is almost 27 he's still I feel he's got more potential there and the fact that um you know he's he's not he hasn't been in the big leagues long and the Rays trust him enough or feel comfortable enough making him the the third highest reliever in the bullpen. That that's something that you've got to appreciate it. And you go back and look at that trade given up Nate Solak 
uh, Nick Solak for, uh, for Fairbanks. I think that's worked out for both sides where it was like, well, we got a lot of middle infielders. We got a lot of middle infield prospects and Solak going to be a pretty good player, solid player, but we need a reliever here. And I think it's one of those trades that worked out for both sides there too. Well, that's the, um, that's, that's the commonality here that we've talked about with the A squad in the bullpen, Castillo, Anderson, now Fairbanks. Look, they've got the stuff, but they, they're a little bit older than when you say young players, but look at their MLB career. Yeah. They're 27, 28, but it's not like they've been playing in at the major league level since 21, 22, like some other uh, guys that are around the game uh, have been able to do. Uh, they're like in their second, third, maybe season, maybe their first, uh, you said 50 innings for Pete Fairbanks. That's, that's one good season. And, yeah. and uh, so you have to take that into account. I, I agree yeah. with you. Uh, but again, uh, I think because you have so much stuff and the bar has been set up that high, uh, you, you would want uh, to see some improvement. And of course he has the, the I think he has the mentality and uh, the stuff to become a high leverage Right, a guy like Anderson was used uh, last year and, and this year to become a closer, if that's the term that we want to call it. But a high leverage guy for sure. He, yeah. he has his stuff, but he needs to help himself. And you need to help yourself by saying, hey, if out of all the outings that I had in 2020, in only three of them, I did not strike people out. Why am I nibbling on the outside? Right. I'm not going to nibble. Hit 97 down the, on the top. Hit this slider down in the zone. You, I can do this. You prove to me that you can hit it yeah. because mostly people can't, they whiff on me. So do that. Mm-hmm. Even against the best hitters, it, it's worked for him. That fastball, it's, it's not easy to compete with. And yeah, you, you touched on a couple of things there. You love his competitiveness. I think he gets really high marks for that. The fact that he's got a repeatable delivery, I think the mechanics are good and how he hides the ball uh, as he makes his delivery and it's little over the top action. It's not, it's, it's the antithesis of like the Kittredge or whatever. He's just, I don't know what he's doing. He's like, he's moving his arm like a clock to throw the ball here. There's um, no Jalen Beeks action. No. Yes. It's very correct. forward. Yes. Uh, and he's also made some adjustments too. his, his release point has changed according to fan graphs. He's also gotten more, uh, vertical separation between his fastball and his slider. He's added uh, some vertical break to that. I also think, have to double check this, but I believe he has kind of swapped the percentages. Last year in 2019, he was throwing the the slider more. It almost looked like a curveball then, but uh, more than the fastball. Now it's flipped. Now he's throwing the the fastball, I think 57% of the time or something like that. and And then the slider off of that. Um, can I, you know, we talk about there, there's such an importance in following sports and covering sports and learning about the human, the personality and what these guys bring to the table, because I don't think there's been enough light shed on Pete Fairbanks, the person, because I've got some interesting facts about his background and his upbringing. If you don't mind me indulging in that, just to give fans a little taste of, this is what will make him more enjoyable to watch when you, when you learn about Petey. Not, not at all. I, I want to hear these stories. I, he already won me over by his post game 
um, comments, not only in the playoffs and the playoffs, they were great, yes. but during the regular season, he gives the most frank, honest, Tommy fam like answers. And I always appreciate that in, yeah. in players calling out the Red Sox, calling out ESPN for love only it. giving attention to the Yankees and Red Sox. You got to love it. But yeah. uh, Fairbanks is the definition of smart in athletic. He studied mechanical engineering at Missouri, scored a 34 out of a possible 36 on the ACT when he there took that is. in high school. By the way, the average score for students taking the ACT is somewhere between 20 and 21. Had baseball not worked out, he had hoped to work for Boeing designing military aircraft. Uh, he has an adopted younger sister from China. Uh, he says he gets his competitiveness from his mother. When she was younger, she received a technical foul for throwing a basketball at an opposing player. She claims it was meant to be handed back to the official, but Pete knows better. That's according to an MLB.com write-up. His father, Shane, played baseball at Mizzou. And then one season in the minor leagues in 1983. And both of his grandparents on his mom's side attended uh, Missouri. And his two uncles and maternal grandfather all played football there. He, uh, My Fairbanks, also played the bass, bass, tr- is it bass or bass trombone? Bass. Bass trombone for seven years. So a little inside the mind of Pete Fairbanks. Also, I saw something where, uh, his goal was to become a baseball player. If that doesn't work out, of course, uh, be an engineer. If that doesn't work out, be a baseball broadcaster. And I wow. think he could probably do that and handle that uh, with confidence for sure. So now you, you have a little inside into Fairbanks. And, and you might be thinking, I love it. this is probably going to be the smartest guy on the field. Maybe the smartest yeah. guy in baseball. We well, you know what? That's great. That's honestly, uh, you, you love to, you know, get to know the, the players that you root for. So thank you for that. Uh, I know listeners will, will appreciate that. Uh, I, look, he's got the stuff. He's got the mentality. He's got the yes. brains. You just got to put it all together. Uh, you know, try to help yourself a little bit better. Uh, you know, he's got the stuff. I know it's very easy to point and say, Hey, walk less, walk, walk, you know, but that's it though. I mean, yeah. what else does he have to do? That that's the issue yeah. here. You got to much. Yeah. yeah. You got, and, you got to uh, fix the walks. I know this is about 20 years, 25 years premature, but uh prop bet Pete Fairbanks will be uh, working in a front office somewhere. He'll be a general manager. He's going to be baseball uh, ops. He's going to be the next Sam fold and something along those lines. If I had to guess at the very least a pitching coach. I feel Very nice. like he can like uh, mold the analytics and the, the on-field acumen there. Okay, moving on to a grade for, uh, for Petey. I like calling him Petey. I like Petey. I think that's going to be P- the new. Pistol Pete, like Pete Sampras. Yeah, yeah. Pistol Pete. Hey, that, um, that, that fits in. He throws the ball really hard. Pistol right? Pete. Okay, uh, let's get the red pen out here. But I, well, I think I'm in a good mood today. Must be because my buddy Kevin Weiss has a birthday today. Thank you for bringing that out. You know, not everybody appreciates that my birthday is today. I'm looking at you, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, for blowing that game (laughs) yesterday. Tom Brady, I I expect a really, really big gift. I I texted Tom. I said, hey, man, Kevin's really, you know, putting some green Skittles on you. And he got all nervous like he does TV12. So I was like, oh, man, this is ridiculous. I did put green Skittles on, and they did not – 
No. They did not represent. I, I, okay, here's the rule before we move on to the grade for Petey. Uh, I am not going to bet on the Bucks, uh in a primetime game Monday night or even Sunday night football because they just – have not been showing up this year. And that does not uh, bode well for the playoffs, just saying. Hey, you know how I feel about football, but I do hate that Tampa loss against L.A. again. So Uh, there's there's Yeah, that's the other component there, too. Man, bringing back memories of Game 6, Blake Snell. No, thank you. Out of town before the the year's over. Who knows? Okay, great for (laughs) Petey Fairbanks. Petey! Getting back to Petey. Pistol Pete. I'm going to give him an 87. That's a B-plus, man. You're facing the the strongest uh, competition out there in the lineup. Uh, You're being put into situations where uh, it's very difficult to to go through the minimum batters, like I I highlighted, but you come through most of the time. I think that is a something... uh, that you want. That's a guy you want on the mound. Hopefully he gets better. And if he gets better, you watch out for that bullpen because if it's good today, oof, it can get really good for 2021. Great minds think alike. I also give Pete a B plus there. Uh, do you think he gets more than 10 saves next season? No. In a 162 game season? No. Okay. No. I, I don't recall how many he got this year. He got zero postseason. in the regular season, and he got one in the postseason, because, or two in the postseason, one with the okay. Astros, game seven, and then he also got game one of the Blue Jays series, I, okay. if I'm not mistaken, three to one, yeah. Well, one thing you can say about Pete is even with his past Tommy John surgeries, he stayed healthy all year long, did he not? Yeah, he was available. He that was big, especially get, for this pitching staff. You post, that's nice, like Castillo did. You know, durability helps. Again, it's it, it all comes back together. Look at that segment. Segment one, Yandi injury. We're like Quentin Tarantino up in here. I know. Oh, that's what I'll be doing for Thanksgiving, the holiday. Just, just uh, binge watching Tarantino movies. Oh, good one. That's He needs to make a TV series. Before he goes out and retires, he might have already retired. I don't know. But do like a really good TV series. I'd love to see like episodes. That would be nice. You know, uh, I think the whole plan of his was to make 10 films. I I think he's up to nine, isn't he? So So one more. One more. Did you like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I did. I really did enjoy that. I really did, did too. I think I watched it four times actually. So I guess wow. I really, really did yeah. enjoy that movie. <laughs> uh, okay, there. See, that's what you get on the Locked On Rays podcast. You get a mix right. of baseball, pop culture. We'll even talk some football, a little bit of everything. Uh, if you want to hear more of us and more of this type of content, check out our brand new Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash/RaysUnfiltered. All right. That wraps up this edition of Locked on Rays. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on MLB. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow.